There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. Tim McKernan alongside the great executive producer, John Seymour, also known as the Seamaster. Welcome in for another sode. Uh, different type of program today, and we're going to we're gonna do a lot of uh, experimenting here, I guess. That wasn't really the plan, but I've enjoyed doing these so far. And so uh, the Seamaster and I were saying, well, what else can we do outside of what's kind of become the staple of the show uh, one month in? And that is our Monday guests. And we've had some great guests. Uh, Gary Penkel, John Mazalock, uh, Jack Danforth, Clay Travis, Tyoka Jackson, Matt Martin, Derek Gould, uh, Brian Curtis of The Ringer. All of these people have been on for at least, I think, 40 minutes. Uh, some uh, more than an hour. And we'll continue to do that with the release of um, uh, what we'd like to think is a big name in, in sports, politics, or entertainment every Monday. But I want to do more than just that. And it's also not realistic to expect to be able to have like two or three big name guests per week. That's just not a realistic thing. I mean, if we do it, then we're going to start putting out uh, interviews that might not necessarily be as good as what I like to think we have done with the first uh, month's worth of episodes. So I, I, one of the things I noticed, and I, and I got some of this feedback on the Ed Martin interview uh, and that is people have said they wanted to hear my opinion. That kind of popped up after the Tioka Jackson thing where I was wrapping up the interview. And then he said, hold on a second. I want to hear what you think. And even though I've been doing uh, radio, I guess, for 15 years now uh, and television for nearly 20, uh, starting in, at the University of Missouri, 1998, I still don't think of myself as really having an opinion that anybody really gives a damn about. Uh, if I do offer an opinion, it's not because I'm like, people need to hear my opinion. It's usually because we're either discussing a topic or somebody specifically asks me. But since uh, some people in the audience have specifically asked, we have decided to at least experiment, again, experiment with a couple of new additional podcasts here on the Tim McKernan Show. So we'll continue with the Monday interviews. Um and uh, we have a number of uh, big names that we are looking forward to talking to. Uh, Isaac Bruce uh, will be sitting down with us here uh, within the next, I guess, a week from tomorrow, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that will be airing in November 2017. And uh, Keith Kachuk, I was on the phone with Walter yesterday, and uh, he is going to join us. In addition to conversations I have had about doing the show or Seamonster uh, or a representative for us, with Marcus Allen, with Dave Peacock, and I have been exchanging emails with Mike Matheny. Ideally, all of those will come to fruition, but until they actually are in the can, I don't count them. But to give you an idea of what we're talking about doing, and uh, and then uh, tomorrow, uh, that being Thursday, November 2nd, if you're listening to this in the future, uh, we'll be joined in studio, the Ryan Kelly, HomeLoanExpert.com studios, 
uh, by Alderwoman Megan Green. All kinds of things to talk about with her. Uh, she has some uh, marijuana legislation, a bill that she is proposing in the city uh, that I want to discuss with her. In addition to her thoughts on the protests, uh, her thoughts on the MLS vote, and also she certainly was vocal during the Rams' exit from St. Louis. So all of those topics I plan to discuss with all the Roman Green on the program, and you will be able to hear that on uh, Monday, and that will air on Monday, uh, if I'm not mistaken, November 6th. Isaac Bruce would be Monday, November 13th. And uh, we'll probably have Keith Kachuk for you later on in November as well. And ideally, like I said, Marcus Allen, Mike Matheny, Dave Peacock, and uh, the Seamaster is, of course, working on a variety of others. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to add to it. So that's where we get back to this experimenting thing. So uh, what we will do, and we'll see how it works. Maybe maybe it will absolutely suck. And, and like I said, I always want your feedback. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com is, is two things. So on Wednesdays, um, my cohorts from uh, the Morning Drive program I do in St. Louis, the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Uh, Ryan Kelly, of course, the sponsor of the studios on the Tim McKernan show here uh, at thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, two of uh, the producers, uh, Darren Atkins, who nobody knows, but they do know the Plowboy. Uh, uh, he is going to join me with Kenny Strode, who nobody knows, but they do all know Iggy. And we're going to field questions from you, the listeners. Uh, and you can either post them on Facebook. We have a Tim McKernan Show page, which we would like it if you liked. Uh, or you can email me questions. And anything goes. Anything goes. That's the benefit of not being on terrestrial radio for the podcast. We can talk about anything. And you can email me those questions at tmckernan at insidestl.com. So uh, that's what we're going to do on Wednesdays. And then on Fridays... Uh, we're going to be uh, joined producer Joe, uh, who was a producer for nine years on The Morning After, uh, is going to join me as we analyze and degen out on a variety of gambling plays for the weekend uh, and most likely devolve into a potpourri of other topics. But people either love producer Joe or they hate producer Joe. And so we're going to give you producer Joe in a small dose on Friday. So there's your uh, lineup Monday guest. Wednesday, questions from the audience with Iggy and the Plowboy and uh, myself. And then uh, Friday, me and producer Joe on wagering and whatever other random topics we devolve into in our conversation. And we'll just see how it goes. I don't know. Maybe we'll add. Maybe we'll subtract. I don't know. Uh, I just know that's what the game plan is uh, here live from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, our sponsor. And Ryan Kelly is online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. And if you have not done business with Ryan Kelly, I uh, recommend wholeheartedly that you do. His business continues to grow, and his business continues to grow because of the quality of which he provides to you, the person either buying a home or refinancing a home. Online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Did you know the average American household has over $16,000 in credit card debt and over 70% of households have the equity in their home to get rid of it right now with a cash-out refinance with the Home Loan Expert team, you can get those credit cards paid off once and for all. You can do it all by going online at thehomeloanexpert.com. It's Ryan Kelly, the name of the game for this podcast. Support the sponsors, just like it is for the radio show. If you're on board with the podcast, make sure that you support the sponsors. Like the podcast show on Facebook, The Tim McKernan Show. Uh, give it a positive review, if you'd be so kind, 
on iTunes uh, or wherever you may podcast and support the sponsors. That's the name of the game. And Ryan Kelly is our studio sponsor here, thehomeloanexpert.com. And that is where you find us today for the inaugural edition of Questions from the audience. Uh, Plowhawk, uh, good morning. Good morning. Actually, it feels like the afternoon because we've already been together for so long today. It feels like the afternoon, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, Iggy, uh, good morning uh, and welcome to the first edition of Questions from the audience. Tim, good morning, and I'm looking forward to it because we get text every morning. Some of them we can't read, right? but being this is a podcast, as you said, anything goes. So there's questions that maybe we can't get to on the morning after. We can get to here. Yeah, and, and so it's essentially a free-for-all. And like I said, email in uh, tmckernan at insidestl.com, or uh, you can post them on uh, the TMA fan page, or you can post them uh, on the Tim McKernan Show page on Facebook as well. All questions are welcome. Now, whether or not we actually read them, that is... Uh, to be determined, but uh, it's who knows? Who knows what's going to wind up happening? But we have questions, and we have lots of questions, uh, and so I'll start with this one, Plowhawk. It goes to you first, and then we'll go around our dais. If you could go back in time and change your college major, and you did major in what? Communications at Western Illinois? Am I correct I on that? I double majored in double majored. journalism and marketing. And I should have went the marketing route. But if I had to pick over again, is that the question? Yeah, if I had would to redo you go it, back and change the I would. I would not major. change my major because I, I, as a kid, I've always wanted to have a job where I had a lot of fun. I know I've seen my parents grind through jobs they necessarily didn't enjoy. And so I wanted to do something different. I get to wear sweatpants and hoodies and, you know, I get to smoke marijuana before work. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I would not change my major as much as we complain about it on air. I love it. I love who I work with. So I would stick with journalism, but I would maybe uh, try to intern at a bigger station. Maybe you could get more growth that way. That would be the only change. Iggy? Iggy, what, what do you, do you did, what was, what was, I don't even know what your situation was. I had a bunch of majors, actually. Um, <laughs> no, I went to Merrimack for a couple of years, then I went to UMSL. Um, I majored in communications journalism, and I also had a. I was majoring in hotel and restaurant management. Hotel, hotel. So you know, I I was always thinking two things. Even in high school, I wanted to be a DJ. Are you really? Yeah, I, I know did. this. I'm learning things already. I did. I wanted to be Five a DJ. Five minutes of the show. Um, but also, I love to write. So I wrote for my school newspaper. I was part of the journalism club. <clears throat> so it was something that I loved doing. So I figured it would be one or the other, but. Maybe in hindsight, I mean, I've enjoyed my 25 plus years in radio. Uh, it's been enjoyable. It's not like a job. But I really think that the hotel restaurant management, either to, to run a nightclub or run a hotel, I think that would have been kind of cool, actually. You would be a perfect nightclub manager if I had to. Fact, yeah, I mean, like a PT's or Roxy's, that's usually where radio people go when they get out of the business. It's to a strip bar. They go over there and they... DJ right, or Bambi online too. <laughs> coming up true. on stage three, Shanine. I mean, that's what they do. They get out of this and they just go announce over PTs. Um, it's a natural career progression. Yeah, I mean, I've been turned down twice by PTs. Have you really? You applied for PTs? And I did. Said no. Yeah. And one of the many times I've been fired, I was in between jobs. I went over there and tried. Hey, this is what you do. And what do they say? They had great competition for the position. I don't know. They just uh, <laughs> didn't get back to me. Maybe I was too old. They like those twenty-something guys that you know can. The still voice get hard. all sounds the same, no matter which. It does really, at. and you just you do nothing. You 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 announce the girls, and then you go smoke. That's what you oh, do. It sounds like you're getting angry at the strip so, club. So DJ it's now. perfect for it's me. Nowhere. Yeah, Bambi, get up on line stage two. Now I'm going to smoke. Yeah. But 
No, I've enjoyed 25 years in this business, so I probably wouldn't have changed, but I wish I'd have done more with the hotel restaurant because that's something you can always fall back on because there's always a restaurant or hotel that's looking for somebody. So Yeah, with our uh, restaurant, Kirkwood Brewhouse, uh, I know that uh, one of the whole things is trying to find people to run those, and it's not even though there's plenty of people do it to find people who can really, really do it to build a staff. I've, I've been told, even though I'm not involved in the management of the business, that that is uh, not as easy as one may think. Uh, the the question came from David K. Sack. David K. Sack on the TMA fan nice. page. That's a good question. Uh, if uh, you could go back and change your college major, would you? God, I don't know. It's tough because when I think of the actual job, I love the job. I've hated the stuff surrounding it. And that, and that actually goes back to television. Uh, it's not just the radio stuff, some of which the public is aware of uh, or they're aware of at least a filtered uh, or f- a fictitious version in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, depending on which year and which story and which management group and all of the things that we've experienced over. Uh, I've been doing radio for 15 years in St. Louis, but even television. I mean, my first, the first time I did a sportscast uh, in, in, ever, television sportscast was at KOMU in Columbia, the University of Missouri television station. It's an NBC affiliate. And Gabe DeArmond, the colonel, was my producer, and it was it was, it was part of the curriculum. Um, and so you're you're understandably nervous as hell. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. You're anchoring a sportscast, and I was 21. Uh, and even though it's a weekend newscast, I mean, you couldn't be more nervous. And that was right at the time. It was 1998, and it was right at the time of Sports Center probably being at its most popular peak with the Olbermann Patrick. Uh, Eisen, who was Eisen with? Kilborn? Is that who he's with? Am I right on that? Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott, Eisen. And Kilborn was somebody like the feel good edition, they called it. But uh, either way, uh, everybody was kind of doing like acts in sports casting. And so I, of course, had to rip that off and did what I felt to be the same thing, except I guess with the benefit of hindsight, now nearly being two decades later. I guess some of it was mean-spirited, and if I were to do it in 2017, I would have been fired on the spot, even though I wasn't an employee. I was a student. Um, I remember we were showing Missouri-Kansas highlights. They played that day. I think Devin West ran for like 250 or 300 yards. It was something crazy. Uh, And uh, they showed the Jayhawk mascot, and I described it as a fruity little bird. Uh, The colonel produced the sports cast. Uh, he put U.S. Uh, Open women's tennis highlights in there. And in my intro, as opposed to setting up the highlights, I apologize for the fact that we were going to waste your time with showing these. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then I think I made comments on when we would do cutaways of the cheerleaders, I would, I, would, I would make comments on the appearance of the cheerleaders to the point that in one of my sportscasts later on, the weather uh, woman uh, in a commercial break scolded me for, for my asides. I think I was doing a tribute to Val Venus of the WWE and saying, hello, ladies. I mean, it was, it, it was really creepy, but that's what I did. And after my first sports cast, I got off the air and I'm like, you know, peacocking around. Like I didn't stumble over or anything. It was really smooth, not even thinking about the content. And the colonel's waiting for me. He goes, well, that was interesting. And uh, there's a, on the loudspeaker, they say, uh, Tim McKernan, Tom Gray is on the phone waiting for you. And Tom Gray is the general manager of the television station. At the time, though, as dumb as it is to say, I didn't really know what a general manager was. I know it sounded important, but when I think of general manager and I'm 21, I'm thinking of, oh, John Mazalak, Walt Jockety, you know? <laughs> so I'm just like, 
oh, maybe he liked it. And he goes, Tim, Tom Gray, we haven't met, but I run this place and we'll never do that crap again on my station. I go, oh, <laughs> okay. And he hangs up. I'm like, holy crap, what just happened? But I enjoyed doing that because it was fun and we could kind of screw off. And I never really did that kind of sports casting in Little Rock where I started after Columbia and then at KMOV. It was more serious and therefore it was just boring. Uh, so that's why I love radio. But the crap surrounding the business, I think that's the byproduct for you young tykes who are considering getting into it. Um, or for those of you who are in right now and wondering which direction. The problem with the business is this. And it's always been there. It's just amplified now. Is supply and demand. There are only a handful of jobs, but there are hundreds or thousands of people who want those jobs, and therefore you never really have leverage in a negotiation unless you're impactful to the bottom line. And so, if the bottom line isn't doing well, you are vulnerable, and or if you're not impactful to the bottom line, you are absolutely vulnerable. And so, therefore, very rarely in broadcasting. Do you have stability? Iggy, you can speak to that. You've been fired yeah, quite a few times. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Plowhawk, that's my reason. Because I love the job, but some of the stuff that surrounds it, plenty of which has been public, um, even more, which has not been public, <laughs> has, uh, has led to numerous sleepless nights over the last two decades. I mean, I've been in radio, I think that I'm coming up on six years, I think five or six years. I don't know exactly. And I think I've been in seven different studios. Two of them twice. I've been to Hampton twice. Went that first round uh, with the man, the woman, the very successful, the man, the woman. Yeah, that's and then I, we ended up coming back there at 920. So I, just in my short tenure, I have moved, you know, seven studios, had a couple of different bosses here or there. And I got fired from a remote engineer who had two DUIs with no license to get to any remotes. Nice. So I, it's, it's, I would say it's definitely a roller coaster, but coming in and when you're in a nice setup with people that you enjoy working with, there's no better job to me than this. Although, which, which you know. leads to another question that's, that, that came in, which is specific to you, uh, Plowboy. Uh, how big of a celebrity are you when you go back home to rural Illinois, which is specifically Canton, correct? Yes. And what's funny is the, from a small town, they don't really understand that Media members don't really make that much money and aren't as important, I guess, as what they look at it as. So I come home peacocking around. Some people are, wow, I didn't know you had time to come back to Canton talking to all as the people. As if ba- George Clooney just flew back to exactly. Cincinnati. As if, oh, yeah, I, forget, yeah, I do leave my penthouse in St. Louis every now and then. Uh, so, yes, a lot of my buddies go to Missouri as well. And, you know, the fan base we have down in the Columbia region. So they hear about the show and hear about me. So I would say it's more than I ever thought of. And my parents think I'm a celebrity. But for me, I just kind of, you know, kind of dick around on the radio. So I don't really look at it as much. But they see the picture from spring training and think that's And they see you with Mike Matheny. Yeah, they think that me and him have like a rapport that we're going to like, you know, Uncle Bill Pancake House every morning, which is not the case. That is not the case. Now, that leads me to this question, which comes from uh, Joe LaVenture. And he (laughs) asks uh, the following, who was your favorite guest ever? And I think the way I'm going to order the answers on this one, because I have a feeling Iggy's going to pull out something like Lindsey Buckingham or something. Uh, Plowhawk, I'll start with you, then I'll go to mine, and then to Iggy. Plowhawk, your your favorite guest, and I realize you're not necessarily the one interviewing them, but that you have been a part of an interview. Man, it's 
it's a toughie because it all depends on. I mean, we had a lot of good political guests during the uh, presidential election. You could Essie Cup, though. I'm going to say is my wow. favorite. I think she's very intellectual, likes to play ball, and I like a female's perspective. And so I think with her knowledge and the fact that you know she was very nice, very courteous, easy to get on. Essie Cup, I would say non-athlete would be uh, right up there for me. Wow, I, you could have given me 100 guesses and I wouldn't have guessed that's what you would have said. Uh, I'm going to break it down into a variety of categories. Uh, serious interview. Uh, I enjoyed talking with, uh, and he's been a guest of the podcast, but I just find, I just like love listening to him and have a great deal of admiration for uh, former U.S. Senator Jack Danforth the morning after the presidential election of 2016. Uh, that stands out to me. Um when Albert Pujols, from a sports guest standpoint, was in the mood to talk, and it happened a few times at spring training, that was fascinating and surprising. I think probably that contributed to it. Uh, as far as when I did the show with Jim Edmonds, we would have some names you wouldn't believe, and they'd be on the show with us for like 50 minutes because Edmonds is sitting there. So like when we were talking with Tom Glavin or Greg Maddox, David Justice, I remember, was an incredible interview. Pete Rose was like a friend of the show. Like the Sea Monster <laughs> would just text him and he'd pop up on the line. There's Pete Rose, the all-time hits leader. Uh, so that fascinating to me. Um, and then as far as entertainment goes, there was a Caden Cross Foot Fetish Friday in studio where women came in to participate. And for my money, that's about as good of work as I think I could ever do. That's the, that's the mountaintop. For me, and I think that was on YouTube, and then somebody got it taken down. That needs to be a swoops pitch <laughs> because that was on YouTube, and now somehow it's gotten the video has been uh, taken down. Got this one via email, uh, and I don't know if people want their names read if it's sent via email, uh, but here it is. Uh, it's from Jack. Tim, I'm fascinated with the discussion behind marijuana in the city limits, which I know you'll be discussing on your show soon. I think I know Plowsy's answer, but if you and Iggy lived in the city, would you see yourselves Ooh, participating like if slash when it's legalized? I'm somewhat borrowing a Donnybrook question where they ask callers if legalization would be enough for them to move from the county to the city if you missed that episode. I asked that question assuming that city residents would have access to plants with lower THC content so you wouldn't be posted to the couch after smoking. I'm fully aware of the difference in effect between marijuana and alcohol, but I think there are many people, perhaps mainly on the younger side, that would equate a joint to having a couple of beers at home. I know you now have the young tight to consider as well. Just curious about the thoughts of the group on this. Thanks. That comes from Jack. Uh, Plowhawk, we already know where you are. You're yes. already participating and you're participating too. in your car in the county. But yes. Iggy, uh, where are you on this? I'm kind of pissed off. I was... Passed by for the favorite guests. <laughs> oh, you did. That's right. I'm sorry. That's what right. terrible hosting. We'll get back to that. No, 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 no. We got to go back to that. It's a blank canvas. I apologize. I apologize. Well, yeah. Who's your favorite guest? Um, it was probably the first person I interviewed, and we're talking like 1993. Stevie Nicks. I was going to guess Stevie Nicks. I would have never guessed S.E. Cup on the Plowhawk, <laughs> and I actually made reference to a Fleetwood Mac member when I made my guess of Lindsey Buckingham. I still have the interview at home, Frank Ladd, because back then we were still doing interviews on Reel to Reel, and I had to go back to the studio in Clayton at like midnight, because Stevie was a night person, and she did it from her hotel room, which is right down the street, uh, I think at the uh, Ritz. And I went back and listened to it like six months ago. It's the worst interview ever. <laughs> I mean, I didn't reset. I mean, it, it sounded like I was just sitting there next to her, just asking all these questions like, 
you know, remember that time that you... Oh, uh, you Chris know, Farley showed Yeah, Chris it. Farley did. But still, it was fascinating to me because we spent an hour on the phone interviewing. Um, I'm probably second best Mickey Mantle at an old-timers game down oh. at Bush Stadium. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that was... Uh, and, and everybody was afraid to ask questions. It was basically a one-on-one with me because these guys are standing there just like, it's Mickey Mantle, and I just started blurting what out What year questions. was this? Um, Had to be in the 80s, right? Had to be. I can't remember. I got a picture of home with me behind home plate asking, and the microphone was like a little stick with like a little ball Bob on it. Bob Barker's mic on <laughs> yeah. the prices, right? Um, so I can't remember. But even the players, what, what was fascinating to me is even his players, like Pepitone and guys like that that were back for this, it was like a Cardinal, a Yankee, old-timers day. They were like sitting in the dugout afraid to talk to him. Hey, there's Mick. Mick got here. There's Mick. Like, oh, my God, you played with the guy. I'm surprised he was there myself. Well, he was doing a card sh- a card or uh, a signing that day. I see. And um, and the fascinating thing about it was it was after the interview, and he came back to the dugout with his handler, and I was sitting in the dugout next to him. And I said, I'm going to get him to sign a ball. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I don't, I'm going to ask him. I'm not, well, I'm not supposed to. I'm going to ask him. And I had a ball, and I said, you know, Mr. Mano, would you mind signing this for him? He goes, you know, I just spent three hours over there signing balls. And I said, well, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. I said, but you're one of my favorite players of all time. And I was just hoping you could put two Kenny. He goes, well, you want me to personalize it? I go, if you would, he goes, well, it's not worth any money. I said, I have no intention of signing a ball you, that you signed. I have no intention of it. It's going to go on my mantle forever. Yeah, I could actually could see a tear coming down because nobody ever did. Everybody wanted his autograph for money. They want to go so out and Mickey, sign it. you made Mickey Mantle cry. It just looked out like of he was a good little, kind yeah, of cry, like a little teared up that somebody actually wanted his autograph for him, not just really? because they wanted to go sell it. I would imagine that happened like a million times. You would think, but then you see so many things: Mickey Mantle balls on eBay, and he's signing for a living, and people are paying money for it. And but it was it was a memento. I still have the ball. Um, but the interview was cool because you know we're talking about the '64 series, and I asked him. I said. Now, when you hit that ball and Shannon said he really thought he had a chance to catch it, he goes, that ball was 540 feet. I don't know what he was looking at. So it was kind of fun, but those are my two. That's pretty good. Yeah. Stevie Nicks and uh, Mickey Mantle. Now, what was the last question about pot? Yeah. Uh, would you would you, per, would you partake if if you lived in the city and it were, I mean, I want to make sure I get the question right. Uh, I think I know Plowsy's answer, but if you and Iggy lived in the city, would you see yourselves participating if slash when it's legalized? I don't smoke a lot of pot. I mean, I smoke when I go to Jamaica. That's the only time I really smoke. But if I wanted to smoke pot, I don't need to be legal to smoke it. I mean, I got neighbors that are out on their porch smoking every day. Um, and I don't even think they, they don't even, you don't get in trouble anymore if you get caught with pot. So it'd be nice if they legalized it because the city could make some money off it. And But I don't think it stops anybody from smoking pot because it's not legal. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by uh, the question just because that, that is if, you know, people aren't doing it in, in the uh, county because it's not legal or in the city at this moment. But, yeah, that doesn't factor in for me. Um, I, personally, I, I smoked plenty when I was in college and some since. But, um, as always, ripping off Howard Stern. But when I hear him talking about smoking marijuana, that's been my similar experience. Not all the time. But like 25% of the time, I'd get so wigged out 
Plowboy, I think I got some bad shit, like in uh, in uh, 1994 in Columbia. And all people are, all people experience it differently. For me, when I first got high, because you always have those first couple of times where you smoke, but you don't like inhale correctly, or you cough too much, and you're not high. The first time I was high, I fell in love that minute. Really, I loved it, and right then and there. I uh, I stopped drinking. I I, I I I'll have an occasional beer at dinner, but I haven't been drunk in oh God knows how long. And it it, it helped me focus in st- in school. My grades improved. In the marijuana school. helped you focus. I probably in would have never went to college if I wouldn't have started smoking in high school because wow, my motivation wasn't there. So it kind of just puts those blinders on, and I could not be more of an advocate. But I don't think legalizing it won't entice people to move to the city. Yeah, I wonder what happened with me in '94 because I had smoked plenty before then. I'm a freshman at Missouri at this point. Could have been laced with something. I don't know. And I remember smoking it with a friend of mine and like right away. And it was like, you know, in 90, and I, I don't know if this is still going on at colleges, but everybody kind of, it seemed like at the time, got into the Grateful Dead. I guess at that point, Jerry Garcia was still alive for another year. Grateful Dead, I guess, Fish, Widespread Panic, you know, Jam Band, uh, posters everywhere. And so they're kind of trippy posters. And I remember looking at the posters and I'm like, oh my God, the posters are moving. I'm wigging out. We went to Taco Bell right there. I think it's on Providence. And I remember saying to him like, dude, how much longer is this going to last? <laughs> I cannot handle this. It was, it was the worst. And so that curtailed my marijuana smoking, that experience. If you had that happen, Plowhawk, and my or first, if it does happen, are you just like, sweet, we're, we're running was, good tonight. You're, you're, you hit the nail right on the head there. It has happened the first time I actually got high. Like I was high as hell. I was at Canton Skate Park. Canton Skate Park. And the skate park in a distance is the nice woods scenery. There's a park bench. And so that's where all the uh, quote unquote stoners would go hang out and whatnot. And I was just spinning, but in just the best way possible. And so that's when I fell in love with it. And yeah, some people with high anxiety or, you know, you're worried about getting caught at 10, the ambient. Yeah, I wasn't getting be- caught. I just, I didn't enjoy it, you know? And then, is, and then now at 41, it's like, I'm always, I'm just so rarely just like, like, even if I'm sitting on my couch, I'm answering emails or communicating with listeners. So I don't feel like I have the time. I don't want to set aside time to be like completely non-functional. Which is really kind of sad, I guess, when I'm like on my deathbed, I'll go, I wish I would have enjoyed things more. But that's what I think. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be non-productive for a couple of hours or not be functioning at my best. And therefore I don't want to do it, which is, I guess, sad, but that's what goes through my head. And I get, I want it legal just so I can grow it myself. You want to get in the business. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never worried about getting caught. And yeah. And in the city, it's now decriminalized or I'm pretty sure I know in the counties, at least, uh, I haven't had any issues with marijuana being pulled over. I haven't been arrested ever, uh, for it in the city, but legalizing, I just want to be able to grow it myself and to be able to not have to worry about a cop tailing me and having to find a little bit of amount a marijuana, and then it turning into a big ordeal. Have I you ever this, dealt with any legal issues with your chronic picnics? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've gotten arrested a couple of times. Uh, once in college, once in high school, uh, for marijuana and and paraphernalia. But this was ten years ago, and ten years ago, it it was seriously looked at upon like a class X felony, similar to what you know, crack, cocaine, heroin. But now people look at it as let's just legal at the city would make. A hell of a lot of money. I think you look at Colorado, they're distributing millions of dollars to public school systems because they don't have any anywhere else to spend it. And so I think that if you have that, St. Louis could definitely profit off it. So I, I like it just for the money's sake, but don't smoke weed just because it's cool. I, 
I, I don't care if you smoke weed. I, I just don't like it because of peer pressure. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. You, uh, you did say, though, that the marijuana was the reason why you went to college. Well, I, it was probably the reason why I had the motivation to go to college because my grades and going to high school and kind of blah, 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 let's just get the hell over it. When I started smoking and going to high school high and getting that experience, I just focused and I kind of knew at that point what I wanted to do after high school was, you know, be in radio because I hated TV. I hated the aspect of TV because it's more cutthroat. So I knew what I wanted to do. I was like, hey, let's go to college. And a year prior to that, I would have never, I would have said, screw college, screw that. I'll just get a job at Burger King and get my $500 a month apartment in Canton and shut her down, me. basically. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do. Well, well while Plowboy is uh, synonymous with marijuana for our uh, loyal listeners of the radio show, uh, Iggy, you're synonymous with hedonism. And uh, Chrissy, uh, runner girl, submits this question I want to know the craziest sex scenario that Iggy has participated in. Nice. And I honestly, I, I would have guessed a Fleetwood Mac member for your uh, interview. I uh, didn't know the Mickey Mantle story. But on this one, I truly don't know. And I have a feeling I'm going to come away impressed. I don't know. I, it depends what she means craziest. I mean, I haven't been in like nine sums. Plot, what do you think she and, means by craziest? Uh, she's I would not here say, to ask, so I don't know. But. I, I, I would say probably multiple partners or some sort of toy attachment. Maybe oh, added food I mean, you're, you're, you're like describing a strap-on. Oh. Yeah, stra maybe strap-on play, <laughs> maybe a double-ender play, or maybe you have... I want nothing up my butt. Okay. No, no so I'm, I'm not so that's now on the record. Well, girls can use double-enders themselves. If you haven't I've seen that, that's pretty cool how they can bend it and go and like insert both holes. But uh, I would say multiple partners or some sort of kinky scenario would be the craziest. Well, mm. kinkiest, um, Bermuda... Is this the Leona Helmsley thing? No, oh, that's, that was just boring. I can't. <laughs> um, it was uh, Champagne Tony Lima's niece. Now, who's Champagne Tony oh, Lima? Because yeah. I assume we should know him if he has the name Champagne. He uh, won the British Open. Really? He's, he was actually one of the top golfers when he died in a plane crash. Oh my word! And uh, I was banging his niece in Bermuda, and she was she was flabbergasted. I knew. Now, was this, now is this a, was it like a girlfriend or is this just no, like no, no. A, this is like a one night her. thing and you're in the middle of it? Henry the Eighth. Henry VIII uh, is in the, the bar. Henry VIII oh. bar. <laughs> oh, I thought he was involved. I was like, There's a little bar in uh, Southampton, Bermuda, called Henry VIII. And we all went there after work a lot of times. And me and my friend Sean from Australia were sitting in, at this table, and this chick's by herself. And he goes, mate, she's looking at you. Mate, she's looking at you. So I went over and talked to her, and she goes, I'm just down visiting. Uh, you know, I love the island. I'm just relaxing. And uh, um, do you play a lot of golf down here? I go, yeah, I play almost every day. Uh, my uh, uncle was showing Champagne Tony Lima. I knew who he was. I go, really? British Open winner? I said, I'm so sorry he died so young in a plane crash. We hit it off, went back to the um, <laughs> Waterville apartments where I lived. And we had a pool. And it was, I don't know what time. It was maybe 11 o'clock. But there were a couple people from at the pool we were talking to, my buds from uh, the hotel. And I introduced him, and uh, she said, can I use your bathroom? She went up to use the bathroom, and I go, I think I'm going to bang this broad. And they go, can we watch? What, what do you mean, can we watch? We'd love to see her naked, doesn't it? So I actually opened my patio door enough that these guys could watch me bang this chick. That's a dream cock And that was, uh, that <laughs> a was a dream cock. That might have been a little weird because the first time I've actually let somebody watch me, but I said, I don't care, they're my buddies. So <laughs> I, got, I got her off the bed and like bent her over in front of the mirror. And I looked to the side and I see like five heads just poking through the screen. Like, 
<laughs> Go get her, Iggy. Like, I can't believe I'm banging this chick, and they're all out there watching. So that was kind of crazy because I just let five guys poke their head in my patio door and watch me bang Champagne Tone and Lima's niece. So that that supersedes <laughs> when you engaged in coitus with uh, adult film star and former playmate Terry Weigel while her husband Merle yeah. filmed it. Well, I mean, the weird thing is he, he was filming naked. I didn't get that. Were you uncomfortable that. with that? Well, I didn't get Was he initially naked and then like disrobed or? Yeah, he just, he said, well, you guys are, I, I feel more comfortable naked while. Was he dauber down or was he? Yeah, that's, quite, that's a no, good follow up. He was limp. But um, that was a little weird. I had no problem with him filming it. I don't care. I got to bang a Terry Waggle. I don't care. Film it. Um, a little taken back that he got naked too. I figured he might jump in here at some point, but. No, that wasn't that weird. I mean, I was banging his wife and he's filming. It was supposed to be for a movie. I don't know if it ever came out. So you had consented to be in a stag film? Yeah, I didn't care. You were going to, I mean, you're doing porn. You were fine with that, though. Well, it, it was more like she decided to come up with this idea. She was doing this tour of, of featuring throughout the country. And she said, me and Merle decided that we're going <laughs> to pick Merle. a guy out of each city uh. and offer them to come have sex and we'll film it. And we're going to do like, Terry's Terry's travels around the U.S. and mm -hmm. have a different guy, and uh, we thought maybe he'd want to. I said that's fine with me. She goes, "Now you may be in a video." I said, "I don't care." She sees me banging. I don't think it ever came up because she never sent me a copy. But I didn't care who saw me banging. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go search for you on free ones. <laughs> I didn't get need to get a SAG card or anything. But, <laughs> no, that, it really SAG cards are running. Yeah, around to me, it really wasn't that Valley. weird. It wasn't that weird that I was banging with him filming but champagne tony lima was was weird it was weird because i let these five mates watch me banger mates them. i like that you're using the term mates yeah, that's what we used back then um but just seeing five heads poke through the window i'm banging her from behind just giving me the thumbs up like i eh, hope you're enjoying it boys plowboy do you find that to be odd or are you like oh that's a little more tame than i would have expected? i mean that's a really nice friend that iggy is because well, i'm a nice guy for me, though, I think I'd be less inclined to let my friends watch rather than some random strangers. I agree with that. Just because of, like, maybe the awkward table talk. Maybe <laughs> maybe you're sitting at a bar or you're at, like, a lunch. <laughs> and you just happen to bring up the story of you. And what if you're underperforming? I mean, it's it just the, the pressure situation... I had no nice thought. I hadn't even thought about no, that. No, she turned me on like you wouldn't believe. I mean, she is wild. <laughs> All right. So there's no problem there. I have no problem performing in front of people. That's why I'd be a good porn star. And it doesn't bother me that nine cameramen are watching it. So you're in. If if, there, if an offer comes in, Lisa well, Ann decides to make her return. Not and now. she no. says, no. I'm too old for that now. Oh, I'd jump yeah, in the ring. You would be the pilot. I would you'd, jump you'd, right you'd in. I would be spot. so dirty. 20s, yeah, 30s, 40s, yeah, no problem. Another sponsor of this show, the Tim McKernan Show, this podcast is James Carlton. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent and his agency, specifically the James Carlton Agency, a massive team of seven. And if you need something, the bottom line is it gets done. And they pride themselves in that. You know, I, I, I've talked about this, but I, I really want to drive home the point because this is the thing that I think separates James. There's two things uh, that separate James uh, in his agency from everybody else. And it's, it's an old school mentality of making sure that when you reach out, you're going to be talking to a live person uh, immediately. As a matter of fact, I remember being in his office when I was meeting his staff and checking everything out. And he goes, yeah, we might get one voicemail a week. And I'm thinking to myself, man, business must be slow, huh? And he, the whole reason for that is because somebody's always answering the phone. It doesn't get to voicemail. That's a smart business plan because people are tired of the automated thing. So you can just avoid any phone call here by doing this, just texting, quote, 
to 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. And one of his incredible team members are going to reach out to you. Or you can visit carltoninsurance.net. Uh, plus, you can check them out. Like, see the reviews for uh, the James Carlton Agency on Facebook, and you're just going to see praise after praise after praise. And the first time I saw this, I'm going, really, you're that worked up about getting your insurance? But it was such a different experience for people that it stood out. So that tells you plenty right there. But here's another thing uh, that, that James prides himself uh, in, and, th- and that's this. Uh, coming up here during the uh, holiday season, and now that we're in November, people start turning their attention to the holidays. They post up at the Webster Grove Starbucks on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and treat everyone that comes in from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. as a way to give back to the area. Uh, and also... On December 16th, they do free gift wrapping. You don't even have to be a customer. Just free gift wrapping and encourage people who take them up on the, the free gift wrapping to leave a donation for Cardinal Glennon. And that's the thing. That's the difference between this and the big, big, big insurance companies you see plastering advertising all over television. This is a local, local company. It's the James Carlton Insurance Agency, uh, James Carlton Estate Farm Insurance uh, Agent. Text quote to 314-961-4800 or check out carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, then call James Carlton State Farm. Uh, Boy, this is a question for you. Uh, Like I said, more questions came in for you boys than than me, and that's that's good because the people love hearing from you. Uh, Plowboy, what do you want to be doing in the next three to five years? What's next? I feel like your guidance counselor. Boy, oh boy. Um... I actually, and it's so sentimental, I hope to be married within that time. I think I'm on the right path right now. So, I, you know, I, I'd like to be married or maybe at least thinking about kids. And for the by, record, you're 27, 8. I'm 28. We'll be 29 in March. Okay. So, you know, getting on that tail end of 28. So being married. Are all and, of your peers from Canton married? Oh, uh, all the females are. Really? Because they got out of Canton. But all the guys kind of just poke around one female but you know there's like, around there's like two hot females <laughs> in canton and usually they're all dating each other at some point or time throughout the year that's kind of how it works huh. um so married kids I, maybe own my own house but i would really love to have a nice marijuana farm that's if i goal. got out of the industry of radio it would be into the marijuana because i think missouri is on the tail end of legalizing it i think they have a vote in 2018 um and then after Do you think it'll pass it was, I, I think it was 3 or 5%, give or take, uh, I think it was two years ago, whenever the uh, vote was previously. And there's a lot of a lot of momentum, a lot of movement uh, in Missouri. So I think it will pass. And, you know, then you have it legalized. And I hope to maybe have an investor open up a shop. And that's what my dream scenario would be. Because I love marijuana. That may, some people call that crazy addiction. I just find it more so and less of a drug it's a healing mechanism that I think a lot of people that hate it could really benefit from. So owning my own medical marijuana facility or owning my own legal marijuana shop would be where I want to be in three to five years. Uh, this Iggy, this one is uh, for you. Why do you lie about everything? That's from, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's from, that's from Jeff. I don't, I, here's the thing. It's no lie. I don't think he's lying about things. No. Nah. Why do I need to lie? So you have to ask Jeff. I'm representing well, Jeff. Jeff, I don't, I don't lie about things. I don't know why. I mean, I, I can't help it. My, but I think people hear you like it's like the cat makes these references to like Talia Shire, you know, and they're they're out of nowhere. But the difference is you've actually like 
come across these people and had uh, some kind of uh, experiences with them. Well, he brings up uh, these actresses from way back back in the day, and then I'll text him the phone number. He'll bring <laughs> he up text the, the cat, there, like yeah. Stacey Nelkin's number. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do with that. No, he'll laugh. Oh. He, he never brings it up in the air, but he'll bring up. Yes, if I could just talk to Rosemarie, and I'll just <laughs> Rosemarie text, and he'll look and start laughing. And the listeners, I think, over exaggerate. I remember that the specific one, Jason Duffner. Remember when he was in War town? Eagle? Yeah. And oh I, my God, I I had a beer with him, and all of a sudden, you lie. You never. <laughs> he was at a golf tournament. I did the first tee announcing. We hit it off. We went out and had a beer. And how was he? Was he not, a delight? Yeah, we're not best friends, but. Um, yeah, back then he had longer hair and he had like two big hoop earrings. I bet really? he, did he still yeah. have that dime of a wife? God, she no, was. he was he was looking. Oh, he was on the prowl at the time. Mm-hmm. On the prowl. That's why he was with you. Yeah. So it's, I don't lie. I mean, I can't help it that I had an interesting life. There's been times it's been a very boring life, like now. I mean, I'm a do. I go home. I you watch have a nice TV. garden, bro. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on if you have to dig it up or not. Right. Um, well, that's another thing. I don't. Know, I don't know where the buried bodies came from. I, <laughs> I really. You want to make it clear right I here? I don't know where it came no from. The program that you're Carla's not getting anyone. nervous. She goes, "Well, what did I get myself into? What's going on with these sunflowers and buried bodies?" And um, so, but I don't. I don't need to lie. These are things. Look, I was fortunate that I've been to some places that have afforded me to have some adventures. So, they're not lies. Uh, and then this question is for me, and it's kind of a philosophical question. How do you recognize, reconcile, I apologize, the vileness and lack of discipline these new show concepts will have, i.e. our questions from the listeners and my gambling show with At Prod Joe, uh, with your quests for respectable guests on the previous version, i.e. the Monday shows? I'm not saying you didn't consider it. I just imagine people, the likes of Jack Danforth returning to a show that in other episodes talks in depth about the film Wet Pink. Um, well, you know, the thing is, I've been doing this kind of stuff for 15 years and yet we still have, I mean, Jack Danforth has been on the radio show, I think two times, maybe three. He's obviously been on the podcast and we have a rapport and what I appreciate, and I hope this continues to happen and I take great pride in it. And this actually is conscious. This is a conscious thing that I, I feel like growing up and it was almost like dogma perhaps how you feel Plowhawk about people labeling those who smoke marijuana as being bad or criminal or whatever the case. And you just don't see it that way. Uh, growing up, if somebody in, in, and not necessarily my neighborhood, just this is how I grew up. If somebody talked about sex or was open about sex, they were bad. And so I take pride in the fact that I've been in the market now in St. Louis for nearly 20 years. And you know, I don't have um, a mark on my record, so to speak. And I can't imagine that I will. Of course, now if something happens, people will play this over and over again and say, see. But uh, it's, you know, nearly 20 years. And when it gets down to it, now, yeah, I don't know how legitimately fascinating or legitimately boring you are when it really gets down to it. But I just, like right now, I just love when my two-month-old son smiles at me and it's like the greatest thing in the world. But I still like to talk about sex porn, but also politics and sports, which I think is what most people, specifically men, talk about, but women as well, probably not the porn part as much. And I just don't think that's wrong. But but 
from a dogma standpoint, especially in broadcasting, and even more so specific to St. Louis, it's deemed inappropriate. But if you think through the process, I don't know why it is, because it's it's harmless. It's it's a harmless conversation. Now, if one isn't comfortable with it, then the recommendation, of course, is to not listen. But I'm not mad at them for not listening. Um, I understand if they're not comfortable with it. There are certain things that I personally just don't like to hear. And I always make reference to, like, if I'm listening to a radio station and a song and I don't like the song, I don't call the program director and say, why are you playing Ed Sheeran again? I just don't listen. And that's, that's, and, and so I think now, perhaps in 2017, more so than like 2002, even when I started, you have so many options. And also I think that generation that used to like ride, ride in the sound off or try to p- play cultural police, I think they've either gone away or they realize they've been marginalized. And so we're able to kind of do what we want to do. Um, but when it comes to somebody such as Jack Danforth, who for my money, I would think is the most universally respected politician, even though I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't like him, especially since he's been critical of President Trump uh, in Missouri. Uh, I would think, unless I'm missing somebody at this point, Missourian, that is, uh, I would think it's Jack Danforth. I mean, we have a, a rapport, but he, the thing that I like about him is he, he is we get along and there's a mutual respect there, even if I obviously don't necessarily ascribe to, you know, uh, his Christianity, the fact he's an Episcopal priest, and I'm certain he wouldn't necessarily enjoy some of the content of the radio show. But what does that have? It's like the Ed Martin interview. I mean, Ed Martin and I really seriously couldn't be any further opposites, but we were able to have a conversation. And I think really that's the building block for a lot of things. I'm not even talking about just a podcast. I'm talking about governmental policy in general, the ability to have a conversation. Even if you know you disagree, you can still be friendly and treat the other person how you'd want to be treated. So the fact that I talk about stuff that I realize you're not going to hear on probably many, uh, maybe like with the exception of like the Rizzuto show uh, on 105.7 The Point here locally, um, I don't equate that with, oh, God, that's bad. But I do know in my television career in St. Louis, it was something that some of the people in management were uncomfortable that I would talk about. I remember sitting down with the general manager from KMOV, a guy who played a large role in me getting two really good job offers outside of St. Louis. Uh, and he said, you know what I do at 10 o'clock at night? And I go, well, I figure you probably watch the news. And he goes, yeah, so maybe 1030. I watched Howard Stern on the E! Network. You know, when Stern's show used to be on. Used to love e that, yeah. yeah, it was the best. It's not on anymore. It sucks. And he goes, and I think the world of my, really? I was stunned to hear that. And he goes, I think the world of him, but I would never hire him to be a reporter or anchor. And I said, well, I mean, he's making like $100 million. He probably isn't interested in, you know, our salaries over here. But his point was, he has to maintain a certain image for the station and Stern would not match that. Now I'm of course not even remotely comparing myself and him, uh, but that is something that I think is dogmatic in the sense that you can't talk about certain topics, whereas you have people saying some things that are either fictitious and they're knowingly saying things that are false that actually do damage to the public sector, uh, or you have people who say things that are just flat out mean-spirited and do damage to people, whether it be bullying or some kind of uh, attacks on social media. Um, whereas me having a conversation about sex is the thing that goes, oh, I don't know if we can hire him because he talks about sex. Well, what about this guy and his, you know, 30 arrests over the last 20 years or whatever, or all the references on Missouri CaseNet to his issues? 
well, that's he doesn't talk about sex, and he does he does say that he's a Christian, so it's fine. And I find that to just be phenomenally uh, fraudulent, absolutely phenomenally fraudulent. However, as I'm kind of, and it's maybe it's the reason why, even though I'm not really like a big barstool person, I have a great deal of respect for their business model. The nice thing is, is whether it be barstool on the quote unquote one side or Clay Travis on the quote unquote other side, what you're seeing now is with these new mediums, uh, the ability to essentially set up your own states and go, okay, you don't want to hire me? Fine. Fuck you. I'll be fine. I don't need you. So <laughs> if you, I don't care. I'll do my own thing. I don't need, I wouldn't order, even if it, I got an offer right now, I wouldn't go do television. So, so, you know, Ed Martin was certainly aware of the show when he came in here. Uh, it was very complimentary, actually, of the business model. Uh, John Danforth uh, is as well. John Mazalock obviously is. He's been on it. Um, and so I, th I think people in 2017, I think, are able to separate the idea of, oh, this person says things that I might find inappropriate and ideally still come on and have a conversation. Now, certainly when it comes to political, I would say, if anything, it's more diametrically opposed than ever before. But I'm talking about a guest on a, on a discussion or radio show. Um, I think, I mean, I, I don't know. So from my standpoint, I, I, I like the question because it does kind of address a philosophical thing, but it's something that I've really been thinking about years ago, more so than now. I remember when Mark Lamping, who used to be the president of the Cardinals, was in studio and like InsideSTL.com was a year old, if that, two years old. And I jokingly said when he was in studio on the air, uh, hey, um, he was making reference to their marketing campaign. And I said, when are you going to start advertising on InsideSTL.com? Joking, because the idea of the Cardinals advertising on InsideSTL.com was a fantasy, not because of the content, but because it was just like a small random thing I started up. And he said, do you still have that girl on there who writes about sex every week? And I said, yeah, Maggie. And he goes, yeah. We won't be advertising on SEO.com. <laughs> I go, okay, I get it. But I understand. And, 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 and that stuff doesn't make me mad. I get it. It's not like, you know, if, um, you know, somebody who's running for Senate, for example, doesn't feel like coming on the show or their consultants tell them not to come on the show. I don't go, oh, man, fuck you. You know, I, I, I'm just like, okay, I get it. Do I agree with it? No. I mean, I, like I heard Stern saying, I, he really thinks it would have helped Hillary Clinton had she go, had she gone on his show. Oh, I think so. Yeah. You know, because it would have humanized her. That's his reasoning. He doesn't need it. My God, he doesn't need to be doing the show. So I think when somebody's willing to sit down with somebody and just have a conversation, I think that makes the person more human. And then also, if it's not some contentious back and forth, it allows that person's perspective to be heard. I don't know how many emails I received about Ed Martin where people are like, God, I see him on CNN or I'm familiar with his campaigns. Ugh, can't stand the guy. But I really liked your interview. Uh, and, it, and again, that had nothing to do with me. It was because it was a conversation. And I think people appreciate when they can hear a full conversation with context. So we haven't run into that. As a matter of fact, as we've been sitting here, uh, for real, I, not that you guys would doubt me anyway, but you will see, I just received this email right there. You see who it's from? Literally just got it. See, yeah. this is news to you as the producer of the show. It's from Mike Matheny. Uh, as you can imagine, Mike Matheny and I uh, certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, where I'm spending my Sunday morning and he's spending his Sunday morning are probably two different locations. Oh, no. No way. <laughs> so, but but again, there's, there's mutual respect. I mean, hell, he worked for Inside STL when he did a show in 2011 before he became the Cardinal manager and going in, he said, now, listen, 
I'm, I really want to do a show, but I don't want to do the kind of show you do. And I go, my God, I, you know, it never even crossed my mind. And he goes, yeah, but I mean, I also don't want to, I'm not going in there to like rip the organization. That's not the kind I want to talk about, you know, uh, parenting regarding youth sports and that kind of thing. I go, Hey man, whatever. My goal is to, to generate revenue and, and sell advertising on it. And if I've got Mike Matheny and John Mabry and Mike Claiborne doing a show, that's a win for me. And if you can espouse your message, good for you. But anyway, Matheny just sent me this email while coming on the podcast. Coincidentally so, I suppose I'll I'll read it right now. Uh, Tim, thanks for following up. It's uh, good to hear uh, that the show is doing so well uh, with the guests you guys have gotten. I will not be able to join you soon as I have my daughter's wedding this weekend. And then my wife and I are going to be spending some time on vacation. But uh, I'm certain that we'll make a day work. Take care and talk soon. So, fun facts for no and tell. We happen to have breaking news on a recorded show, but uh, that's another example. I mean, if you think of Mike Matheny, you're well aware of who Mike Matheny is and how Mike Matheny, um, you know, is, is, is certainly uh, makes no secret of his Christian values. Well, you come on this show and you've got a guy talking about watching, uh, or five guys watching him uh, engage in, in coitus with uh, Champagne Tony Lima's niece, and another guy talking about uh, wanting to grow his own marijuana farm or start up his own marijuana farm <laughs> and whatever the hell I'm babbling about, you wouldn't think that's the place that Mike Matheny would land. But at the end of the whole discussion, if, if, if it's all mutually respectful, as opposed to now, let me take you back to 2014 and Tanaka's coming up and you bring in Michael Waka, what was on your mind? Yeah, That's, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think now, I realize there's a wing of people who enjoy hearing that, but if you have a conversation, you can wind up getting to that point, but without doing it in an abrasive manner. So I'd like to think, and I think also it comes with being in the market for a couple of decades, that people, even if they uh, dislike me, they know that we do things in a decent way, as decently perverted as it can be. Um, so I understand the question. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on on that. I realize it doesn't necessarily impact you per se. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, this was the Sea Monsters idea to kind of do a thing with you and uh, you two and me taking well, questions from the audience man, and then the producer Joe gambling thing. And I liked both of them. I said, hey, let's, let's give it a run. Well, I, you have to differentiate between the person that you hear on the radio and what kind of guests you're going to interview. I mean, obviously, you're not going to ask John Danforth about strap-ons like you talk about on the radio. And John no, knows that, wasn't, that. That wasn't on the... Senator yeah. Danforth knows that, and he knows that you can do good interviews. And, you know, that's not you 24 hours a day, what you do on the radio for three days a week. Just like give Channel 4 credit. I mean, he's, Doug is a well-respected journalist who's been with Channel 4 forever. They know he's not out picking up listeners and, and talking about his ass and ass play. They know that's not Doug Vaughn. So they can differentiate between what's going on on the radio and what happens? And after probably, that. and I'm not speaking for KMOV, but recognize it's beneficial to have him as a part of a, a key part of a successful show. Well, that's true. That, too. Helps, that helps the cause. So you, you you view it proportionately. And when it gets down to the thing with the morning after is, because people got how do you guys? Because that was another question. Like, and I'm uh, I'll not get specifically into that, but how do you differentiate, so to speak, or how do their stations, Fox Sports Midwest and KMOV, you know, handle? some of the topics that the radio show gets into. I think first off, I'm always, I'm always going to be the one that'll stand in front and take the shrapnel. Uh, so that's a number one, but B, I think the reason why it, well, first, I guess ahead of B, I'd go with this. Um, so we'll call this a one that it's been on for a long time. So therefore there's some credibility given to it simply by default, but then B 
it's never really mean-spirited, you know, and it's self-deprecating. So if it's if like everybody is exposed to getting ripped, like there's nobody who's a sacred cow on the show, um, then it's ever if you enter into the arena, you're going to be exposed to the reindeer games, and uh, but it's not necessarily mean spirited or trying to take somebody down, or even when we've had crap happen in the past with radio management, hmm. uh, you know, like the bubble of love sponge stuff or the man and woman stuff is like you know. Things will work out. Trust me. I can't get into why and how, but just trust me. They are. I know there's things going on. Just, you know, that we don't get into to that type of stuff. And I think that carries some weight that it's like, yeah, the show is really, I can't listen to it when my kids are in the car, as some things I've heard, but it's not mean-spirited, you know? Never has been. So I think that's how, again, I'm, I'm, I'm simply offering essentially uh, hypotheses here, but I think that's what it's about. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, we've been outside the Cardinal clubhouse at spring training going back to 2005, I think. Yeah. 2005 was the first year we were there and we've been there every year minus 2007. Um, you know, St. Louis university, a Catholic school advertises, uh, you know, uh, we've had a number of Catholic high schools advertise. So I think people just are able to kind of go, okay, it's, it's conversations I personally wouldn't have, or I'm not necessarily comfortable with, whether that be, your story, Iggy, or your desire, Plowboy, or my comfort level on talking about the adult film world, but it's not malicious. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. I don't know. I don't know. For I, me, I truly I, don't know. For me, in my everyday life, it's hard because I don't get offended or take anything seriously at all. And I think that's hard for me sometimes when I'm around people that do, that I, I kind of say what's on the top of my head. You know, I have... You know, I, I understand what's right and wrong and what you, what you need to say and what you don't need to say at a certain time. But I also have a bubbly personality and just start talking and try to get people involved. And sometimes that personality and what I say, people take offense to. And I can't really see that because I don't get offended. People can bash me. People can rip me or people can have different political views. Uh, and that's fine. Me and them can get along. Some people can't differentiate that and especially in politics today, if somebody likes Trump and I, and somebody doesn't like Trump, they can't get along. I mean, it's just that that's the thing that divides them. And I never once have had an issue with that, but it is hard for me to kind of hold my tongue in some scenarios to where I just usually talk whatever comes to my head. Yeah, I, I, want, I do wonder about it because I, you know, like with the TMA fan page, for example, I mean, it's <laughs> it's 6,000 plus people, many of whom are very active, others who simply just read it. And it, it really is self-governed, uh, and we really don't have problems, as I've said before, because another email I got was asking, you know, you were involved in message boards from, like, the very beginning. I don't know if it was necessarily the very beginning, but, like, early 2000s, uh, and then had one on InsideSTL.com, so you've kind of been a part of these online discussions, never really done the Reddit thing, um, you know, and how, but you, you, you certainly utilize them, and how do you see the evolution or... Uh, whatever the opposite of that would be uh, with conversations online. And I think the reason why the fan page works is that people have to use their real names. I'm sure there's plenty of fake ones in there, but they have to use a real name to join it, uh, which then therefore ha has some form of accountability if they are an asshole. Um, but then secondarily, the main message, people go, well, why'd I get, why'd I get banned? Or why'd I get blocked? And it's, almost always the, unless Facebook does it because they posted something that Facebook did something about uh, it's because they just, they, they showed traits of being a dick. You got to do a preemptive strike. 
Yeah, and that's that's truthfully what it is. That's true because oftentimes they, they're like, I didn't do anything, and in their mind they didn't do anything. But it's like like you can pick up the read so easily if there's a personality trait oh, yeah. that's just social media gangster, and it's not something. It's like when Dotem puts together the G8 uh, summits, he's very careful of who he invites to the things because he knows the people that he invites are going to be chill and it's going to be a good time and there's not going to be any BS. And hell, I mean, he, he hasn't even dealt with some of the stuff I've dealt with online, but he's exactly right. If you don't have that kind of crap, you're going to just have cool people, whatever their background, ages, you know, sexual orientations, whatever, religion doesn't, doesn't matter. It's just uh, people are just going to hang out and they have a common interest, which happens to be the radio show. And so I think that's why that thing works. And that's why I love it. But then also the byproduct that I suppose could be negative is that's really essentially where I communicate online. So I have a bubble and therefore I might not be exposed to like now we have the Tim McKernan show Facebook page. And so now people who I would either, and there have been a number of people I'm like, oh yeah, that person's name is in black because we, because I blocked them from my personal page and, or I blocked them from the fan page. And so their name shows up differently in a different font and I see them pop up posting comments, and then I'm reminded why they were blocked in the first place. Coincidentally, surprisingly, a lot of them were under the Tyoka Jackson interview, uh, and a lot of them were a big fan of the Ed Martin interview. Uh, that that it reminds me of, oh yeah, I'm now in a little world that I guess I'm, a, a, you know, the fan page that I created, and that's who I talk to, so I have a bubble. And whereas these people have their own bubble, clearly, and that's the bubble of, you know, in this case, being super conservative and what comes off to me is very, very angry. Uh, and and that's their reality. And so I don't know if it's necessarily when it gets down to it, healthy to create bubbles. And so it gets down to a proportionate decision again, if I just sit there and tweet everything that's in my mind as opposed to put it on the fan page where I know it's in some form of controlled atmosphere, controlled environment. Uh, I don't deal with the negativity and the inevitable hate and the fake accounts and, and, and the crap that you deal with if you do that. So that's why if I do have thoughts on something, for the most part, I'm going to take it to the TMA fan page on Facebook because even if people disagree, it doesn't get into assholery. And the point you made about it being fun and just taking shots at ourselves and, and people texting in, it's all in fun. And for 99.9% .9 on the fan page, that's what it is. And I think the question I get asked most at TMAs is, don't you get pissed off at all these emails about murdering people and your pumpkin face? And I said, no, because I know it's in good fun. And most of it's true anyway. Um, but I know it's in good fun. Now the problem I have, and I, I wish I would have saved this and I didn't cause I deleted it and I deleted <laughs> them. Um, but somebody was really, really going out of the way to be mean on the fan page. And I know they've been gone now and I don't even remember who it was. Hmm. I don't know who you're speaking of. I don't remember the Me name. Either. Um, but they were just like mean to everybody. They would just take shots at somebody and do this and do this. And they took some shots at me and I just responded one time, you know, you don't have to be a prick all your life. I mean, you know, you can have some fun on here. You don't need to be such a jack off. And the response to me was, 
Oh, that's weird coming from somebody who's part of the Megan Meyer Foundation. Now you're bullying me? And I said, you got to be kidding me. Oh, my me. God. Are you really well, seriously saying that to me? I'm not familiar with yeah, that. So those are, but there's like a, a small percentage. But for the most part, almost everybody on the fan page is having fun, and you don't take it seriously. Yeah, and so it allows for having discussions about topics where you do. I mean, certainly. You know, it's I've noticed, well, I, th I think people who are passionately liberal think that there are more conservatives on the page and people who are passionately conservative think there are more liberals on the page. I can tell you this, when I put a poll up there a few months ago of who did you vote for and do you regret it, uh, there were more votes for the people who voted for Donald Trump on the fan page. Now, a lot of those people who voted in that poll aren't necessarily active posters, but that's the audience. Now, if they're not active posters, perhaps it's not as representative of uh, the, the dialogue that's on the fan page. But my point is this, is you have people from a variety of different mindsets, experiences, careers, uh, you know, income brackets, uh, and uh, and you're able to have an atmosphere where people, even if they disagree, for the most part, again, there's certainly exceptions, and there, there's no way there wouldn't be, uh, get along. And I think that's healthy, which then gets us back to the whole question of how can you reconcile or do you worry about not being able to get certain guests if you have kind of these off-the-cuff podcasts with the Plowboy and with Iggy and then the gambling podcast with Producer Joe. And it's a good question. It's a really good question. My answer is I have thought about that, but I've thought about it more with radio, and it just has an impact of things. I, I, and Seamaster, you're sitting here. If you want to chime in, feel free. I, I don't recall a moment in the show's history, and you've been producing it now for a few years, and both of you guys have been involved in producing it for a few years, and then Producer Joe where somebody said, I will not come on that show because of its content. I don't, I, and, and perhaps it's happened, but I, I, don't, I legitimately don't recall that. Uh, I feel like it probably has happened. I've never been, it's never been stated to me as no. such, uh, outside of the one incident we had with the uh, task force. Oh, but that had nothing that to do. That, but that that had nothing to do with like sexual. No, no. That was they didn't like the fact that we, this is the stadium task force with the Rams situation, by the way, uh, and they didn't like that we were having on people who were dissenting on the cause. <laughs> and I thought that was that was absurdly misguided. Yes, that was a little baffling. So I, I've never had it presented to me as such that somebody's declining due to our content. I feel like maybe maybe it's happened and they it was just they just a, don't say it that way I exactly. Uh, but like you referenced Mike Matheny and he's been he's sat down with us at spring training before. Yeah. He did a, I think the last time he was on uh, was at some point after his book came out and he's probably spent thirty five minutes with us yeah. on the phone. That was a good interview. Yeah, that's why I'm looking forward to the conversation with Matheny because I think there's a lot there and he hasn't done a lot of these that I'm aware of anyway, since he's become manager. So I'm looking forward to that one. And as you heard, as I was going through my email on the show, he's going to do it. So if you have somebody like a Matheny, if you have somebody like a uh, John Mazalock, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody from the blues who wouldn't come on. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Gary Pinkle in that case, I'm certain Conzo Martin would come on. Barry Odom has been on. So, you know, when you think of people, uh, in the local sports scene and also politics. I mean, my God, Jack Danforth and Ed Martin are, you know, Ed Martin's more conservative than Jack Danforth, and uh, they've been on. So I just don't see it. Well, Jeff Passett won't come on. Jeff Passett won't come on. I'm going to bring that one up, but it's not due to the content. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 that is correct. He will not come on. He was on, and then he got an argument with Doug over the 2016 presidential election. Uh, but to go back to what this question was, which is do you worry about this content leading to people, and I just don't. 
I don't see it that way. But maybe I'm sitting here ignoring uh, what will be an inevitable problem. But I don't see it that way. Because Iggy said, okay, what can we say on the podcast? And I said, I, the way I would handle it, yeah, you can curse. And that's cool. But I wouldn't go into, like, graphic detail that you wouldn't necessarily do on the radio. So I, that's kind of the – it's a little – more uh, leeway than the radio, but I don't want it to all of a sudden turn into details on strap-on play or something. We can, yeah. we can do that. And won't come on, and I don't know why. So, so <laughs> that's just an update on that. Uh, I think it's the sciatica. Uh, I want to make sure I thank our, uh, our studio sponsor, of course, the HomeLoanExpert.com, uh, Ryan Kelly, uh, as we are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios here on the Tim McKernan Show for our inaugural, inaugural edition of uh, Questions from the Audience with the Plowboy and Iggy and myself. And also another sponsor here, uh, Gateway Buick GMC. Gateway Buick GMC at I-270 and McDonald Boulevard in the St. Louis area. Or online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. If you are in the market for a new car, if you are in the market for a used car, or if you just need to get your car serviced, they have 38 service bays, so you are literally in and out so quickly. Nobody else can compete with that. It's Gateway Buick GMC, I-270 and McDonald Boulevard online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. Grateful for their support and grateful for Ryan Kelly's support here on this program. Well, boys, I enjoyed it. That was fun as hell. I hope you enjoyed it, too. It looks like the Sea Monster would like to uh, would, speak. And when the I'd Sea Monster like speaks, we listen. Just a couple quick teases. Wow. <laughs> we, we do have to get better at teasing. Uh, tomorrow, joining the program will be our friend Stingray on the oh, morning wow. show. And which was my favorite non-SEC Cup guest would have been Stingray, who's great. I like that SEC Cup as opposed to. But I, I followed you. And then on a Friday, Monique Medina. Oh my God! Will be on the these presentation. Are worthy, these are worthy gifts. of being teased. This, see, these are the kinds of guests that I like. <laughs> these are the kinds of guests that I like. So, I would have never thought of them, but I mean, Stingray at this point's like he might be my favorite now that you bring yeah. that up. So if there happens to be some folks listening to the podcast who haven't experienced our morning show but liked this episode in particular, yeah. you can give the morning show a try. That's perhaps. right. Uh, you can subscribe to uh, the Ryan Kelly Morning After on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we see 85% of our uh, downloads are coming from iTunes, but I know a lot of people use like Stitcher, Google Play, whatever the case might be. Uh, and you can also listen on InsideSTL.com. And uh, like I said, it helps the business of the podcast if you uh, give a positive review. Uh, and I never thought that was the case, but I continue to say it just because I was surprised by it and I'm hosting a podcast. So I figure you probably don't know it uh, as a listener. So therefore... If you enjoy the podcast and want to see it continue to grow, then please do so. Don't forget, by the way, uh, Jimmy the Cat Hayes, his podcast has just debuted, and his uh, is called The Cat Chat, and it is with Adam Wainwright. His first edition, uh, starting on November 1st, 2017, uh, is up, or I guess November, yeah, November 1st, 2017. Uh, so take a listen to uh, The Cat Chat with Adam Wainwright. I'm actually, I haven't heard it yet, so I'm looking forward to listening to that myself, to hear him and Adam Wainwright talk for 30 minutes. Adam Wainwright's always a great interview. Uh, and you obviously know he knows the cat well from Fox Sports Midwest, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. I would recommend subscribing to that, subscribing to this, and giving them positive reviews and supporting the sponsors. That's the name of the game, brother. Uh, Iggy, Plowhawk, Seamonster, thank you boys so much. We uh, hope you have enjoyed uh, our first edition of Questions from the Listeners every Wednesday here on the Tim McKernan Show, and uh, producer Joe and I will be back on Friday with our first edition of our uh, gambling picks and discussion and whatever else we talk about uh, coming up on uh, Friday's on the Tim McKernan Show. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show.
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.